0: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Grind Podcast. Been a minute. We've been busy editing videos, spring bear hunting, filming a 3.0 of Bear Wars. And I actually have a special guest here the guy that you never hear or see, or uh, the, the man behind the lens, Peyton. What's up, Peyton? Oh, that's going great. <laughs> Peyton recently recovered from double pneumonia mixed <laughs> with a little COVID. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, dang near lost the guy
1: oh yeah it was yeah (laughs) it wasn't that bad i don't think but i was i was sick for like two weeks so so we're 70 percent
0: through our our filming and peyton knows how important these films are and for him to be out over two weeks i knew the sucker was sick like you knew he wasn't feeling good
1: especially yeah we were almost done with the send it series and then i got sick i was thinking the whole time oh man An episode would be going out today and we would almost be done. Like, with we'd have it all released, everything, and then be starting on Bear Wars. We'd be starting on Bear Wars, but a little setback. Yeah, a little setback. But we're glad that Peyton's on this side of the grass, as Grandpa Chug says,
0: and that he's doing a, a lot better. Yeah, so guys, check it out. This is an unsponsored podcast. We don't have any sponsors. I know that we push a few companies, but they're companies that we believe in. And one company that I truly believe in is Basemap. Now, they're not paying me to push this. And this is coming from a guy who spent the very first dollar on Facebook at X. That was me. There's a lot of things you probably don't know about me in my in, on the marketing side of things, but I spent the very first dollar at OnX. And I was there from the ground up when it came to the hunt app. And I was a part of all those meetings internally and I know the discussions I I know on X and I did at least two years ago I knew them intimately and I knew their product intimately however I truly believe that base map is a superior product when it comes to that navigation feature that is XDR with the built-in compass and that XDR projection line XDR stands for exact direction and range that it will make you a more efficient hunter it'll get you to point A to point B it's literally Two taps of the My Location button, which is that big middle button in the middle, and it projects out that line. Now, a lot of people that I talk to about this, I'm, I'm hearing that they don't want to spend the time or transfer on their waypoints. You don't have to transfer your waypoints, okay? Peyton's
1: done this process. How easy is it, man? I mean, all you do is go on that web, the web app, Onyx Base Map, have them both pulled up, and it takes one second to download the KML file. Put it in base map and everything's transferred over. Tracks, your, yeah, tracks, your waypoints, everything. It's it's way easy. I've done it a couple times. Just yeah, transferring things back. Super and forth. easy
0: to do. So I don't want to hear any excuse anymore. There's four features that On X doesn't have. XDR, live location sharing, smart markers. What's the fourth, yeah, hunt wind Huntwind. Huntwind. Ooh yeah. Huntwind is a game changer when it comes to setting wind wind cones if you will they're called stands hunt stands and you can get predictive wind you can get real-time wind there's actually an image of wind blowing off of the off of the marker now the difference between uh onyx and and base map when in terms of placing quote-unquote waypoints on x calls them waypoints base map calls them markers yep. and these are smart markers because when you place the marker you get temperature barometric pressure moon phase and a few other things that help you determine when the best—not only when you set that marker, what the conditions were like—but if you see an animal, he's on his feet feeding,
1: you know the conditions of when he was on his feet feeding because that's the time you set yeah, your marker. You can go back and check the time and be like, okay, this deer likes to feed at 6:30 because that's on, the, when I set on the this ridge. Yeah, when I set the marker, yeah. so this they can help you plan your yeah. hunts. And then, I—I I mean, one thing people like too, and. Is the uh, the hunt planning stuff? Looking at states of harvest data, and you absolutely. can go in and look up Idaho. Oh, people don't aren't ex- successful in this unit, or yeah. you know, you can look at any state that puts out their harvest information or data, and yeah, plan your own hunts out too. Yeah, absolutely. which is awesome. Great great hunt planner there, as paint mentioned. I get on the web app all the time
0: and plan routes, look at trails. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, base map has 3D for
1: iOS way before onyx ever did i find myself this all the time so we're in utah up at the mountain archery fest i'll turn on the hunt layers to see okay what unit is this exactly yeah because we're seeing deer on the hill and stuff. it's like oh maybe i want to hunt this one day yeah or you know and then you look at it and you're like okay there's actually a ton of private i don't want to hunt this yeah and so yeah exactly. i do that all the time like any state, i'll just turn on the hunt planning and for deer or whatever just because me too driving down the, down the, the freeway way. i'm like oh there's an antelope Oh yeah, what you're like, yeah, what unit is that? Is yeah. it private? Can I hunt it? How hard so, is it to draw Oh yeah. What's yeah, how hard is it to draw? Yeah, you know, what are the season dates? Yeah. Exactly. People don't realize basemap has that. Oh yeah. And then like same thing. We get questions too about the private land ownership. Yeah. Base map has the private land. It has all the information. Yeah. So everything every... Onyx has, yeah. Plus, plus plus you know plus more. Yeah, plus what everything you listed. Yeah. So. so again,
0: we we'll give you a code. It's uh, for 20% off. It's basemap.com forward slash mealyfree. You know, we do get a kickback if you use us. Again, We we they are, do not sponsor this podcast. So it's a better product. Make the switch. Transfer
1: your waypoints over. Quit, uh, quit complaining. It's really not that hard. It is so easy to use. Yeah. On top of that, it's 30 bucks plus the 20% off, and you get all 50 states. Yep. So. All 50 states for 30 bucks, And it will make you a better hunter because
0: it's a better product. Anytime you're using a better product, you're going to become more efficient. But anyway, enough on that rant. So I brought Peyton on because, A, uh, he's a fun guy to talk to. Him and I enjoy uh, time together in the, in, in the hunt vehicle, traveling from hunt to hunt. We, we've shared a lot of success. Um, not many failures, really. Uh, we've been
1: super uh, really. successful. I don't know. Has there there's been, like, one hunt that... We haven't, like, harvested. Well, maybe, I don't know. I was thinking about Nebraska, but we still have shot all those pheasants, so yeah, it was, was still the success. So. Yeah, still a lot of success. I, 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 I can't think of one pheasant. that we haven't shot anything, or, you know, bow right. or, or rifle. I hadn't shot a pheasant for
0: since I was a kid. Eighteen. And that was, I was, I was walking around there without a dog, just like a kid in a candy store. (laughs) I know, they're
1: just everywhere. That that was fun. I I mean, I've tried hunting pheasants in Utah and, you know, that you can't find them anywhere. You might find one in a random spot, but it's like, I don't even go out. So watching, filming, that was fun. Yeah. That that was a lot of fun. But anyway, we, we want to try something new here. We want to do a short
0: podcast on the films and namely the last chance film. And that was, that was a story about a desert deer hunt. Rifle deer hunt that was kind of sort of unplanned, last minute. Aaron and Peyton didn't even know I had the tag.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Eric kept text messaging us. So the film of this came out. Uh, Unicorn bull, Cam's elk count with Aaron. I was film helping Aaron film that. And Eric kept texting us. You guys get a bowl yet? You think you're gonna get one today? And like this all the time texting us. And Aaron's like, Why is he texting us so much? <laughs> and we're like, Do you think you got a tat? Like we were kind of thinking. And then it it snowed us in one day. And Eric's like, Oh, perfect. I'm going down to wherever you're going down to. And <laughs> he's like, Come. I'm gonna kind of scout it out this last first night, but come down here and film me. And we're like, Where did you pull this deer tag out of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, it, I didn't tell these guys that that I had a deer tag,
0: and I kind of wanted to surprise them. And and quite frankly, I didn't know if I'd have time to I'd have time to go. And I tagged out on a few tags early, and I'm like, man, I, I think I can squeeze in this tag. So lo and behold, we're going deer hunting, and uh, it's a rifle deer hunt. I only had one day to go because I tagged out on a, on uh, another tag just a little bit early, as I mentioned, and so. All of a sudden, you know, Peyton drives, you know, four hours north, wakes up at
1: 3 a.m., drives another three hours to the west,
0: and Mm -hmm. we're deer hunting.
1: Yeah, I was driving, like, where is he taking me? It was the middle of nowhere, and then all of a sudden I see Eric's bright headlights coming down the road towards me, and I was like, well, I must be in the right spot. I was worried for a minute. Like, I was like, I don't even know where I'm at. And I was like, there's no cell service. I didn't even know where you're taking me at first. So, <laughs> you like didn't even know that town existed. No, I didn't. So I was like, yeah. And you, I pulled off and I'm like off the main road on a dirt road in my little Subaru car. Like I don't know if I'm even gonna make it here.
0: <laughs> oh man, that, those are the funnest, the unplanned adventures. Yeah. If yeah, you, was, there's there's a saying: if you fell the plan, you plan to fail. Not in this case. That's part of the adventure for me. I think if you go hard. Uh, sometimes, and you're determined, and you're good at your craft, that you can go out and get it done. Now, this unit isn't known for, for big animals. No. In fact, it's there's not a lot of deer in in this unit, not big deer. Genetics aren't that great. But, you know, Peyton had kind of an unfor- unfortunate situation. He killed a stud of a buck um, on an archery hunt, his first ever archery buck, in fact. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, one 180 type buck with his bow and you hit that
1: buck a little far forward yeah just clipped one of the lungs so but arrow still stuck in him but he went for hours a long like, time i tracked him for uh like two miles from where i shot him to where yeah. he finally died but that was you know i shot him right in the morning 7 a.m and then yeah. you know it was the first of september and you know, it's been hot and it was hot last year. It got up to like ninety degrees. Like right when the sun came up, I knew it was hot and I thought I was gonna find him, but I followed blood and followed blood and you know, every now and then I would see him, like, you know, far away and I was like, Oh shoot, this is might not end well and then Yeah. Next day I got my dad up there and the reason we found him, like we saw a Coyote down in one of the draws. Yeah. He could smell him too. And so we knew we were getting close and found him. He was you know it was exciting or like oh my gosh this is such a nice buck and then but walking up on him i was so disappointed because he was just bloated and we're like yeah. he's he's done like we, we tried to cut him open and he was just stinky and so yeah. right he knew his I memes mean, oh it was, oh, no it, was it was bad
0: and, yeah. and if you've hunted long enough no you hold the hate okay guys if you've hunted long enough you've lost in especially yeah. early season you've lost uh meat yeah. to the sun
1: yeah, i mean Like people have lost, you can lose meat when it's, you know, during a rifle hunt, if you don't take care of it properly or you let it hang too long. So, but that was the first deer I've ever had like get away. And so I was so disappointed. And that's part of the, anyway, I love the deer meat too. And so not having any was, that was disappointing.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of had that in the back of my mind and, you know, I I had plenty of meat at this point. I'd killed an unbelievable shirus, smoked a big bull. Shot a couple antelope, antelope, some of our favorite meat here, um, and I already killed the buck. So I was like, "Man, I'm I'm doing pretty good on meat." My dad doesn't really hunt anymore, so I give him meat. I'm like, "Man," but I had that in the back of my mind. I'm like, "Man, I'm going to give Peyton this if we can get a buck. I'm going to give this meat to Peyton." And I've been thinking like, I'm unapologetically a trophy hunter who loves meat. Mm-hmm. So with with that in mind, it was the last yeah. d- with the last that's a bad day bad combo. Yeah, that's a bad. Yeah, that's a bad combo. <laughs> But but my point is is I'm always hunting for the biggest animal, but but I love the meat, and so that's they're synonymous. They go together for me, and I knew the unit wasn't known for trophy trophy quality. I knew that Peyton needed meat, and I knew I had one day. So that's how I made a lot of decision making when it came to trying to figure out you know what I wanted to harvest. So here was my plan: starts snow comes in, it's blizzard. It is freezing. It's like mid-November. It's like the 10th of November, 11th of November. So it's cold. The wind's howling. You couldn't hardly get out of the rig. It was so dang cold.
1: It was, yeah, we couldn't do anything. You'd get out and you'd be like out of breath, freezing. We would film some stuff and then have to get back in and warm up because your fingers would just be frozen. Frozen.
0: So so my strategy was cover as much as unit as we possibly could, figure out what's on the unit, and then make a decision on what kind of buck we want to take. So that's what we did. We hit a bunch of different draws, a bunch of different canyons, glassed, hiked, glassed, hiked, uh, located a few bucks, passed the bucks. I always like to pass. I, You know, I like to see what's around. I, 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 I like to see what's around. I like to learn. I thrive and enjoy the learning process, especially when it comes to new country, territory, and area. It's just fun to me. It's fun to go out and learn new areas, different yeah. units, and just see how different different uh uh areas can can be
1: you know what i mean oh yeah and then you never know what's going to be in the next draw either so and that's the exciting part right especially on a new unit you're like well there's a little you know there's a four point over here but i don't know if i want to there might be a big buck right around the corner you never know but then it's last day so we're also like you know you wanted to get a deer and we wanted to make a like a cool film but we only had a day to film it anyway so it's like it was either get something or there's no film Pretty much at all, right? Or, you know, right. So there's a lot of variables with that hunt. Yeah,
0: and and also one of Peyton's strategies was, uh, at the advice of myself, was film a lot because this is going to be a quick hunt. Mm-hmm. Film everything you can. So that's what we did. We tried to film everything we could because we knew that this hunt could be over really quick, and with with only day to hunt, there was only going to be enough content for a day. So again, if you're finally making this connection, which is which is fine. Uh, maybe maybe we weren't, weren't very clear here, but there's a film on this hunt, on this podcast. It's called Last Chance. Mm-hmm. So this is more or less behind the scenes talking about some of the things that we were thinking what was going through our heads because you don't see that in the film. You don't, you don't We don't tell you what's always on our mind or what our thoughts and, and why we make some of the decisions we did, and that's why we're going to go into that. So, you know, we saw this gnarly... So the bucks were running. It's uh, November. We found a big, tall, like, two-by-three that was super willowy. And that that seems to be kind of the genetic over there. Willowy, beautiful buck, beautiful cape, maybe not the greatest genetic. And I considered taking that buck and I'm like, man, he's just not a big buck. I can't tell if he's very old. He doesn't look very old. But ultimately I decided passing him. Now this is super big country. You know, you got to be steady glassing some of this country, uh, especially in this type of wind. And it was hard trying to pick deer out of these big mountain sides and open mountain sides so turning up deer was tough and yeah. some of them it was like man i don't even think we can get to those deer but Peyton and i we found what
1: two or three four points yeah we, we saw yeah the four by three shot and then there's a couple other four points on there that little like they're all on one one big side hill like so you could look at any pocket and there's deer and does and a, a different buck walking out pushing does and so, and you decided to pass on that. And he was, what, like 200 yards maybe? We just watched yeah. him. And that, that was kind of hard. It was a easy, perfect shot. He just sat there and stared at us. And that was, you know, hard to pass up. But we're like, we know there's deer back behind us. So right. we should go and check again. Right. And then we, we went back and started, you started glassing and started spotting a couple of different bucks. And, you know, two of them were, they're about the same size. and One was a smaller four point and then the one you shot and trying to decide which one, you should take or whatever, and we just watched them run all over that side hill, though, which was fun anyway. Yeah, so. that was that was pretty cool.
0: So, and we watched my buck that I ended up taking bully the other four point that might yeah. have been a little bit bigger out of the way. And, you know, it's really interesting about this unit is there just didn't seem to be mature animals. Like there was groups of does with like small bucks um, yeah. running them, and I believe it's my belief that if there were bigger bucks around, they wouldn't be allowing that.
1: Oh yeah, they would have. They would have been in there pushing those deer out. So pushing those deer out. Yeah, the one the one you ended up shooting, it was bowling the other deer up there. Yeah. So you're like he must be the more mature buck because gone, that, the right? other deer, that other buck was you know he didn't want anything to do. He was like, okay, I'll go over here then and yeah, find some different does. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I mean, in 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 our mind, that that was the most mature, mature buck and, and the biggest buck on the mountain, especially with the the time that we'd put in covering the unit, checking all the draws. Now that doesn't mean that a buck couldn't have migrated in somewhere, but you know, yeah. like, that could be a couple days later before more mature bucks came in there to kick some of those smaller bucks out. But given or they could have already been through, yeah, yeah, they so. yeah they could, yeah, they could have already been through because this is a migrating unit, yep. and so the rumor is is when this when this unit gets a little bit of weather, they move out and. Th- we had a big storm coming in, some snow coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, it made for some absolutely unbelievable footage. So we go back there, and it's getting to the afternoon. I'm like, man, we got to make a decision here. And I wasn't just gonna kill any deer. I, I wanted to be something, something special, you know. I and special doesn't always mean big. It doesn't always mean score. I just wanted to be something special. And so we we see this buck. He's got a nice little frame. He's got some some broken stuff going on, which indicates he's you know he's a fighter which is respectable. And he was in this draw kind of running these does. like Peyton mentioned, he'd pushed his puck out. Now, wind was really whipping. (laughs) And I knew there was gonna be a significant amount of wind drift in this bullet. And I also knew that there was no way to get closer to these deer without blowing them out of the area. Yeah. like there was no way to make an approach to these deer because it was wide open they were rolling hills and there was no way to
1: conceal ourselves no and even if you would have tried to get closer the angles of that hill would have been so steep and trying to set up i don't think and, you could have seen him you probably couldn't have with how the sagebrush the sagebrush was probably too high and then if you would have did a prone shot like I don't know. And then getting tri- like a tripod set up with a camera on it, it would have been a whole ordeal of trying to get, right. a, get closer and get it all on film anyway. So, yeah, 100%. And so, you know, there's, there were some haters on
0: that. There were some haters. Oh, man, you shot this buck too far. Bah, 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 bah. You know what? Let's fight if you want to hate. That's why we're, we're doing this podcast, is you could understand the why behind the, the, the shot that I took. And first and foremost, you should practice with your weapon. You yeah. should practice in various scenarios. You should get to know your gun. And man, by this time of the year, I knew Norma, that 300 Norma that Travis built me backwards and forwards to the point I knew if I got behind that gun, it was over. Oh, yeah. Because what? I knew how that bullet shot. I knew what to do in the weather conditions. And we made a joke all season long. Is Norma ready?
1: Yeah. Norma's getting hungry. Yeah, Norma's getting Every time we see an animal. <laughs> yeah bring norm out it's over yeah. and you'd already shot that bull from running ground uh, it was 700 yards too so right. and this was a way more you could get your uh, bipod down and actually prone out because that 700 yard shot on the elk you know you were shooting off a tripod that you f- took the spotting scope off of so you're already comfortable so i knew you could make the shot i mean i've never shot the only time i've shot anything that far is with your uh PRC rifle that you have, that Travis built you yeah. six Creed more. And so, yeah. And so uh, that's the farthest thing I've ever shot. Like I've shot maybe but, 500 yards with my rifle, right. but I know with my rifle and my scope and stuff, that's what I'm comfortable right. doing. And it's like, I, I might be able to, you know, if, I, if it was the right situation, maybe push it a little farther. But with that Norma, you're it was a killer. Uh, heavy so. gun, 12 pounds, oh, yeah. 7 to 35 by 56 objective, like Mac Daddy scope. Oh, like yeah. Chip shot. Yeah. When you, that scope on it, it's, I don't loophole Mark so 5. five. Yeah. I've looked through it a couple of times in that thing. You zoom that in, and it looks like you're looking at the deer from like 10 yards away. So yeah. that's, you know, when you have the right equipment, you can make those shots. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. And a lot of people never even look through a Mark 5. Oh, yeah. A, a
0: high end scope. I mean, that's a, yeah. a $3,500 scope oh yeah and so with that comes a, a, a really nice piece of equipment so the variables that we have that made it tricky was the weather and the wind mm-hmm. there was a
1: there was a pretty stiff wind going you had on snow rolling in there's what you're getting ready to shoot and then that little snow drift came couldn't in. even see the mountain yeah couldn't even see i the forgot about side. that yeah we couldn't even see yeah. over there so the, and then you have those bucks, they kept, like, crossing back and forth across the hill. And I was like, okay, which one is which, trying to keep track of them. But there was, like, 15 minutes where we couldn't see anything when the snow right. came in. So right. you couldn't even get a shot off then. Right. And, you know, here's the other, here's the other um, factor that
0: solidified my decision was that if we did bump these, first off, yeah, the, the snow rolled in, these clouds, and this fog rolled in. You couldn't even see the mountainside. Mm-hmm. These the animals were on. And secondly, if they bumped over the hill, they were off the unit oh yeah so it it was like do or die it was like you want this buck you either nut up and make the shot and i knew i could i knew it wasn't irresponsible i knew it wasn't unethical because i knew no i could make that shot
1: yeah
0: and i made it before yeah made harder shots than that before and with my ability to prone out get my bubble level dry fire one and then chamber one i I knew i could make the shot so it took that minute those bucks were kind of running around if you have ever chased a red mule deer they don't ever stay put and that's why they're super hard to bow hunt but when you're doing it long range it's (laughs) it's hard too because you need the animal to sit still because you know from the from the travel that bullet by the time that you know that bullet gets there he could walk he could he could run he could and then you could hit him bad and that's the that's the risk of long range shooting you have to be confident confident in your shot and know know that he's he's uh he's he's gonna stay put and you and you don't know that but you know the other thing i'll say is too you you can make bad shots at 100 yards or 200 yards so why are, why are you hating on the on the perfect shot at 875 oh, yeah.
1: yards or what what was it was that, was it seven i think it was eight something from eight, like, 57 eight. or whatever it was yeah it was something maybe I know we ranged twice because he was moving around, and maybe we went down to around seven. But I swear, it was, I think it was around eight, eight seven fifty yeah. to eight fifty in there. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. He went back and forth a couple of times, so I think uh, the time I shot and the time he moved was was a little bit different. But I think I ended up ranging him and dialing for I don't know whatever it was. I'm gonna look on Instagram right now, so bear with me one second because I know it's on my on my post here. So where is that? Where I'm dialing the turret? Oh, here it is. 880. Well, that's when I dialed, but I think,
1: I, yeah, I think he you Yeah, you say that, and then he moves. The uh, graphic should have it. The, bra- the graphic will pull it up here. 787. 787. Yeah. So, 880 yeah. at
0: one point. Ended up dialing and shooting and killing him at 787. So, anyway, I dial up. I know there's a stiff wind, and I know, I know it was coming uh, left or right. And so what I went ahead and did is I put the center crosshair on his butt. Because I knew there was going to be about three, three and a half feet of wind drift. So when I touched that off, I, I figured that if there's three, three and a half feet of wind drift, it's going to hit him right front shoulder. Mm-hmm. And sure enough,
1: touched it off. Boom. Yeah, it drilled him. Drilled him perfect. Both yeah. shoulders. You can just tell by the way it hits him from that far. I was like, you just knew he was, he was going to be done. Yeah, you, you so. just knew he was done.
0: And you know after and here's the beauty about filming a hunt you can replay it so you can see exactly what happened and right. after replaying i was like man that might be just a tad low if if anything it could be just a touch low no yep. and uh, you know
1: you could shoot a bucket 100 yards and not make that good of a shot yeah you could you know shoot them low this hit hit nothing and there's still going to be blood or whatever right it's happened it's happened to me before when i was I remember the one, the first deer I ever shot, the first shot hit it low and I thought it was done for sure. how much blood there was, it didn't hit anything vital. That deer kept going and going until we finally got on again. So you never, you can do it low. You you never know entirely unless they're dead on the ground. Yeah. And so that's why you want to approach it responsibly, right?
0: I wanted Mm -hmm. to make sure my gun was ready to go. I was going to make a, a slow approach, make sure I'm glassing as I'm trying to recover this deer.
1: Yep
0: and i come up over this little burn where i thought the deer would be and i saw the does after we shoot i see the deal the does funnel out right and yeah. i didn't see him so i'm like boom first yes, indication yeah. he's down
1: he's down in there somewhere he, he's, yeah. he's
0: not going anywhere but the way the hill laid and the topography is there was a little dip and we peyton and i couldn't see into this dip so the responsible thing to do was approach slow yeah. so that's what we did make sure my gun was not on my pack it was uh, on my sling so i could flip around get ready to go well there i am spot the buck bedded up and he still alive. He, he wasn't he wasn't going anywhere because he he clearly saw me he was hurting but i also feel like i did the thing that i owe that animal and that's to do a quick yeah. ethical kill and and i i feel bad that he didn't die right away but sometimes
1: we're chasing these animals for a day or two and they're not dying oh, yeah. right away and like people shoot him and they're like okay I'm gonna give him I'm gonna get wait two hours to make sure it dies so well he's suffering for two hours then yeah so he, yeah he's in there bleeding out for two hours so, if so let's die. let's so. not be
0: hypocrites <laughs> is my point yeah we don't always make the perfect shot no matter the distance yep you know and I, Peyton and I debated back and forth I'm like you know I think it's important to show these films is how they really happen and that's how it really happened I yeah. went up at two hundred yards or so, um, it might have even been close from that. It, it been, was. It was pretty close. Maybe it was a hundred yards. Yeah, um, I, I didn't range it. It was. It was yeah. so close. It I was didn't a chip range shot. It. Yeah, but it, it was a chip shot. Laid out prone. Shot him one more time. Put him out in this misery. It didn't ruin any meat. Um, yeah. every, everything was perfect.
1: He would have died. Yeah, he would have died. You could, we could have waited. We could have said, "Oh, let's just give him an hour. He'll yeah. be dead." Yeah. and then you know sat there. But it was like just put one more bolt in him. Yeah, and just put there, him out. There's no, there's no sense on letting him suffer. Yeah, and it's. I mean, like back in the day too. I remember like people just go up and slit their throats or whatever. Right. And it's like we didn't want to do that anyway because how YouTube works anyway. Blood and stuff. If I just doing that, that you can you know they'll take the video down but then if you you know we do it for social stuff too and yeah, you want you... pictures of your hunt and so you don't want a big gash in their throat so this yeah. putting a well-placed bullet shot just to put him out yeah. is you know the right thing the right thing to do yeah. you know instead of letting him suffer for a little bit longer because anytime anyone shoots a deer they're and they're not going to instantly die they're no. going to be there's going to be couple minutes. So anyway, I guess you could say they're suffering somehow. Even if they die, you could do the perfect heart shot and they run 150 yards. You know, they still have to they're still alive for the 150 yards or whatever. So I don't, any way you look at it, I mean, there can be Terrible place shots. So say you like gut shot it or whatever right. and they go. Or live a gets... shot. They're alive for 12 to 18 hours. Oh, yeah. and Or, you know, like a gut shot and coyotes get it. That would probably be one of the worst ways. But if you can prevent that from happening, you know, why, why wouldn't you? And that's the thing. Like, I think a lot with archery hunting is, um, you know, ranges are different, but you can get a lot closer and you're still not making perfect shots no. and that animal goes off forever. And you're always thinking, oh, if I just get another shot in it. But with rifle hunting, like... I don't know, like 50, I don't know. Probably, it's probably a high percentage. You can always get another shot off usually, I would feel like, uh, the majority of the time, because you have a rifle, you just put another bullet in. So why not right. put them out of their misery?
0: Yeah, right. R- why not put them out of their misery or not risk the fact of yeah. losing them potentially, right? Yeah. They're tough animals. Mule deer oh, yeah. are super tough. They're, I mean, gosh, they have a just unbelievable will to live. They, Mm -hmm. I I remember as a kid growing up, deer going on three legs and, you know, your uncles and grandpas all, you know, shooting these deer and them going and them not finding, like
1: they're tough. Oh yeah. Super tough. Yeah. They have a will to live too. Like they're like, I wouldn't say they're as tough as elk, but for how small they are compared to elk, they'll keep going until they're out of blood. Yeah, absolutely. They'll go until there's, there's no life left to give. And you saw that firsthand with your archery buck. Oh yeah. he. When I found him, there was no there was no blood left in him, and now I, I took out one of his lungs, and so it just goes to show you how tough they are too. And you'd shot him with Norma, and he both you know his shoulders were taken out. You'd hit him, and he he would have died, you know, in a, I bet thirty minutes probably, yeah, probably. And, but you know, it was good shot, and he's you know they're still alive. Yeah, gonna...
0: and I, you know, we showed a quick follow up shot that had nothing to do with the distance that I took him at. That had nothing to do with the placement of the shot necessarily. I mean, he he was he was on his last uh, leg, so to speak, mm-hmm. and uh, he was going to expire. But I elected to do what I felt like was the ethical thing and put one more bullet in and put it on his misery. It has nothing to do with the equipment I used. Well, this, it's uh, like this, like if, if you've hunted long yeah. enough, it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay, you know. So if if you want to be a keyboard warrior, go ahead.
1: Um, it 's not like you went to Walmart the day before and bought the a rifle from Walmart and threw yeah. the Walmart Tasco on it and you know and don 't know what the rifle 's shooting you know right. it 's a well built rifle that can shoot right. even farther than what you shot yeah. so I mean the technology that we have to hunt with is some of the best in the world now, so yeah I think, um, I think a lot of people don 't understand how good the technology is either because yeah. even before I started doing the films and stuff like the hunting rifles that I grew up with weren't you know they were nothing amazing and Mm -hmm. you know we would shoot max like 400 yards with them and that was was a long ways and that was a long ways like for you know and so now with even my setup now like I can shoot I can shoot a lot farther than how like how my dad grew up hunting and so it's just one of those things where you know times are changing anyway and you can hunt however you want say if you wanted to only get within 300 yards that you can do that but sometimes like the situation you can't you can't even do it like your deer and you never know what canyon you're hunting of how far the shot's actually going to be so why wouldn't you want to be able to get the animal with better equipment right and and i think it's you know the
0: better you are with your equipment the more ethical i think you are because i think Mm -hmm. the you know i i think i think it comes down to micro discipline and macro discipline and i've talked to you and Aaron about this a little bit if you're practicing at the highest level when it comes time to play and hunt in this case yeah. you're you have that macro discipline and you're even you're you're able to put into play what you practice now if you're Good. practicing at long ranges how are you going to hunt at half of those distances way better oh, yeah. you're, you're going to be that more efficient so if you're practicing at a thousand yards yeah maybe you might not take a shot at a thousand yards but by golly when it comes time
1: to shoot a deer to 400 yards you're ready oh yeah and and that's gonna, gonna, gonna be, be that's gonna be easy for you yeah that's gonna be easy for you yeah it's like it's like basketball or something you practice shooting over and over you're gonna get good at shooting you practice right. your free throws you know you're gonna make all your free you know it's one of those yeah. eight practice makes perfect right so yeah and we, and we could
0: all do more practice. We could all do oh, more yeah. shooting. We could all shoot our bows more. But anyway, I, yeah, I, I just thought it was important to kind of set up the scenario on, on why I took the shot that I took. I'm always trying to get closer, man. I, I, it's, it's not, for me, I'm just being transparent. It's not an ego thing. I'm going to do what I need to do in, with the skills that I have in order to accomplish that goal that I set right after him. and well, that goal was to kill that buck and I, if yeah. i could have got closer to three four five hundred would i yeah
1: heck yeah i would have you know we had uh what was your buck out the other four by three the truck buck from yeah. the other film yeah we did it where we were <laughs> you know, sneaking into the draws and trying to get closer because we didn't know how the topography was there. You had to get, we were trying to get closer and we busted out the first, that two by three and, um, Eric could have got a shot off of him. I was trying to get the camera on him, but that was what, a hundred yards probably yeah, when we busted him close. out. And so it's like, yeah, we got closer, but we ended up busting the deer out because of yeah. how the situation played out. And then that other, the buck you ended up shooting was 150 yards right to our left. So it's like, yeah. that was the most ideal shot ever. It had right. dropped him right in this place. Yeah. But yeah. with a with a twelve pound rifle, free handing shots, oh yeah, that, that, that's not what you build the rifle
0: for. You build the oh, yeah. rifle to be able to sit up and get prone and get ready. Yep. Yeah, and you're exactly right. See, so we weren't trying to back up and shoot as far as we could. We we're we we're yeah. just trying to be the best hunters we
1: could. And it was whatever your situation you have. That's you know that's the shot yeah. you're going to take. Do what's comfortable for you. Yep. Do what you've practiced. Perform at the level you've practiced
0: at. So if you've are you, if you've never practiced at 1,000 yards, should you go out and, and, and shoot 7, 8, 9,000 at an animal? No, you shouldn't. That's my opinion. That's not, that's not what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. No, but if you've, you've practiced at 11, 12, 13 shooting still, and you have a buck at 800 yards that you can't get any closer to, but you know your equipment's there, you know you have the energy, you know your bullet, you have high BCs, oh. you have good equipment, and you feel like you've put in the work and you you can kill this animal, I got no problem with taking that shot. No. I, and I can't get closer.
1: Yeah. There's, yeah, it's one of those things with your equipment, just be comfortable with it. Yeah, be comfortable with it. Yeah. And
0: everyone's different. There's, there's not a, there's not a recipe to success here. There's not a right and wrong. Um I, I think you have an inner compass on what's right and wrong. And I think for you to tell somebody what's uh, right for them is, is, I don't believe in that. I think, I think at the end of the day, only you know what's right and wrong deep inside. But, the film turned out phenomenal um it was a beautiful buck it's it's not often that you can get a a buck out hole and we put (laughs) him on top of that princey rack which was pretty cool that was fun and we strapped him up there and kind of like the good old days of grandpa and uh putting putting a buck in the truck or on top of the
1: truck you said that was what your first deer in years that you had taken out hole yeah right it's so, a long time and that's how we used to always take them out whole. we yeah. used to drape them over the
0: saddle horns that's usually still horses. what i do
1: most of the time there's only been a couple of situations where i've packed it out but like i would prefer to take them out whole. you can let right. them hang dry and then i you get you get more meat if you if you take the whole body out you're gonna yeah. get more meat off them anyway absolutely and so that, that was that was cool to you shot them and then we we kind of got to do a, how I would usually take care of a deer, and so that was that was nice for me since you decided when we were walking out. You're like, "Oh, do you want this meat?" You like surprised me about it, and I was like, "Sure, I'll take the meat." Yeah, and the buck died quick. It was cold
0: weather. Yeah, <laughs> it was going to be a good eating buck, and we were able to save the heart for my grandpa. Yep, along with the liver. Oh yeah, which I typically don't always pack that out. A lot of times I'll eat it on the mountain sometimes, but I don't always pack that out depending on the situation. But I was able to take that home for my
1: grandparents, yeah, we were we were more or less raised on that, so that was that was really cool. I mean, a lot of people don't like the liver anyway, but then you actually invited me over when your grandparents cooked up. Oh, the Oh, that's and right, liver. I
0: forgot about and that.
1: That was the first time I'd ever eat deer heart and liver. My how I grew up hunting. They never kept it, and so yeah. they they didn't like it, and. Like there's always a thing. Oh, take a bio of the liver when you shoot a deer, but it was kind of more like a joke thing for yeah. your first deer. And so I'd never tried it. I, you know, everyone's always like, "Oh, it's bloody. It tastes irony." And but how your grandma cooked it up, that was that was good. Yeah, so. she, butter, salt, mushrooms, onions. Yeah, that about
0: make anything taste good. But it de- it definitely has a um, a distinct. Yeah, flavor, has, taste, it, yeah, and it's I don't, super soft, yeah. like it's not chewy, it almost melts in your mouth.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how to even describe it since I've only had it a yeah, long it's time. It's like but
0: mushy, but it was good, so that's yeah, that's, that's the it, it was good. And you know, a, a lot of folks swear by liver, you know, if uh, anemic people, or um, I know that a lot of times they'll suggest eating liver. Oh, really? In fact, I I served a mission in, in Stockholm, Sweden. And one of the things when I got there that the Swedes would put on their bread and crackers was liver paste. It really? was, yeah. So, like you spread butter, Swedes spread liver on their bread huh. so like butter. S- and, like, you put cucumbers on it or, or like peppers huh. on top of the liver on top of the bread, and they eat a half sandwich.
1: A liver, liver paste. Sa- liver paste sandwich, huh? Yeah. That sounds interesting. Yeah, no, it was just brown, and and okay. you could
0: tell it was liver, but it tasted yeah, okay. I, we would buy it as missionaries
1: sometimes. Oh, okay. So what, it can't have been that bad. No, so, no. And I, jeez, I didn't know what animal it was, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, you it was know, probably, probably beef or something. Beef and pork mixed, and
0: who or, knows? Yeah, you know, and beef, but okay. Who knows? Could have been reindeer too, because they farm reindeer. Okay. Reindeer herds a lot like we farm. You know, sheep herds up in the mountains. They'll farm reindeer.
1: Okay. reindeer. People farm elk now too. Yeah, so you yeah. buy elk almost anywhere. Yeah people farm elk
0: now but anyway yeah it was a quick hunt peyton and i went hard on the paint we covered ground which was a ton of fun the weather came in made for some incredible footage um you know we we i made an incredible shot and we were able to take an incredible animal that tasted Mm -hmm. delicious that we were able to bring home and share with family i was able to share it with peyton uh and and that shot taught me a lot too i mean to be able to exercise confidence in your equipment where i put the crosshairs on the back end of that animal and for the wind to take it and hit him old front shoulders out that i was pumped that, that was part of the adventure for me yeah I, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode um hopefully you learned something if you did learn something share this episode share it to your stories uh share it with a friend you can listen to this on spotify itunes you can also navigate to our website under the podcast navigation and listen to it there. But it was fun talking to the man behind the lens, and and Peyton and I we have a lot of fun together. We go hard in the paint. We've been very successful this last season, and this was Peyton's first year filming, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I I bought my a camera and like messed around, but like hunting stuff that was it was all new for me, and I learned a lot. So, yeah. but. We, we got some good films out and then, you know, we're also, I feel like this next year, they're going to be even better just because of what, everything we've learned and right. we've gotten some new equipment to up the footage of everything. So yeah. I just think the films are just going to keep getting better, yeah. you know, and we keep getting cool hunts like that and getting getting animals they're just going to keep getting better so yeah absolutely Peyton
0: works his tail off to make these as good we all do really we it's a team effort yeah yeah. we all kind of sit in and produce them. Peyton's doing the sweat sweat labor there but um real quick before we end this podcast I want to talk a little bit more about that rifle that's a a Travis Stevens custom rifle it's got a proof barrel it's a proof 26 inch barrel with a lone peak break trigger tech special trigger a McMillan uh a I want to say a3 adjustable stock uh, hawkins precision rings a lone peak uh razor still action and a mark 5 7.35 by 56 so and then it's slinging uh 225 grain eldms so 225 grain hornady eldms uh i'd have to double check but i want to say around 2900 feet per second and that's factory ammo and that that proof barrel loves those M's, those 225M's, and I know how accurate that gun is. And when you're using that type of equipment, um, you enter into this field a whole new level of precision. So anyway, I, a lot of people don't necessarily, might not understand that. And I have factory guns too that, that shoot great, but I have custom guns that shoot even better. <laughs> and not everyone can afford to get a custom rifle, and there might be people that maybe hate on that. And if you can't, then maybe save up for one. Um, discipline yourself and save up for one. And if you don't want to do that because you don't want to do that, well, that's, that's cool too, you know, to, to ease their own and, and be happy. And, and um, I, I would say this, that uh, seek first to understand and, and then to be understood. And I think hopefully this sheds some light on understanding on that hunt a little bit. And it's a great film. There's some great feedback there in the comments. But check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe to this podcast leave us a review let us know what you think Uh, send me an email eric at mealyfreak.com uh and i'd love to hear some some feedback and at the end of the day we appreciate you thanks for listening we're just a couple normal guys that 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 put in work and grind and at the end of the day we, we try to go out and earn it because that's how we feel we we're we're most gratified is when we have to sweat it out work our tails off for the goal that we're, we're after being an animal or something in life. So anyway, we'll catch you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for joining us.